The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. I'm learning this with my dog. We're both learning this together. We're both growing together. And it was an amazing experience to be able to sit there and do this with my puppy. And I'm growing and learning, and it's growing and learning. And then what came along with it, too, is the bond between me and my dog. Have you ever shot a bird that just keeps on flying and you're standing there saying, I swear I hit that bird? Well, good news. Maybe it might not be you, but rather your shotgun. Go check out UplandGunCompany.com and construct the perfect shotgun that is not only built to your exact physical specifications, but your preferred looks as well. To some people, a shotgun not only has to perform, but look good while doing it also. Upland Gun Company has made this process super convenient and surprisingly affordable when you consider all of the completely customizable features. Get your shotgun order submitted today so you're standing there with your dog saying fetch rather than standing there still saying, I couldn't have missed that bird. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of GDIY presented by Standing Stone Supply. My guest this week is Doug Davis. Doug, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm living the dream as always. I can't complain. So we kind of have a mutual friend in Spencer Danes of Arizona. That's kind of how we got linked up. But in, in, in by extension of me and you talking and, and just talking upland hunting and what it is that we like to do and our shared interests, which, you know, there's many, obviously. Uh, you mentioned a few things that really kind of piqued my interest in terms of how your main priority right now isn't even so much your own personal hunting as it is sharing it with other people and new people. And I thought it would be fun to get you on to come on and, and talk about we called it paying it forward, you know, returning the the favor that you got from somebody else. So we're going to get into all that fun stuff, but let's start with you. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everybody where you're from and what kind of dogs you're on and all the fun stuff. Okay. My name is Doug Davis. I live in Mesa, Arizona. I'm a native of Arizona, lived here all my life. Um, I'm in the uh, pest control industry. That's my full-time job when I'm not out hunting um i've been i've i've had probably three or four different breeds of bird dogs i'm currently running a five-year-old german short hair pointer what other breeds did you try before him um i have had uh britneys i've had uh span uh springer spaniels um 
I have had uh, Labradors and English Pointers. Okay. So you, you've had some of the more popular breeds on both the pointing and flushing side. So Correct. I have to pick your brain on this a little bit, especially being in Arizona. You've lived there your whole life. Have you hunted quail down in the deserts with all of these these breeds, or is this kind of have you just kind of gone in and out of it over the years? My 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 Labrador was my very first um, hunting dog that I ever got. It was given to me by my uncle, and at that point in time, I really didn't even know what I was doing. I just knew I wanted to get out and hunt. And, you know, I read some books and kind of about the flushing breeds. And and I got out here in Arizona. I mean, unless you know, really know where to go and what you're doing. Um, as far as I was concerned in waterfowl hunting, I was, I was pond jumping, you know, jumping up on ravines and, and, shooting ducks and my dog would go into the water and retrieve them out of the water. That was the extent of my waterfowl hunting. Um, so funny thing is, is back then when I, I, I really didn't even know what a pointer was. Um, <laughs> so, I so, really did. I, I just, I knew Labrador, you know, labs were a hunting dog and an all around hunting dog. And that's all I ever heard was about labs. And, so, uh, so yeah. <laughs> is that, is that what got you to the lab is you just wanted a hunting dog and you just heard that I, labs were the best I, hunting I, dog? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much. And like I said, yeah, my, my uncle had a litter of really good quality, um, pups and had a, had a real beautiful black lab and, and, uh, yeah. And I probably had him probably for five years, um, I got real busy with work and had to go out of town a lot and ultimately ended up giving them, giving them away to a friend of mine. Mm. Um, so there's kind of a story and when you're ready, I'll, we'll go into it. There's a, go into I it have now. a story. That, <laughs> so my story with getting into, so once I got into pointers, I've had almost pointers exclusively mined the entire time. Um, so growing up, um, I grew up on a farm, did very little hunting growing up. It, my, my hunting was rabbits and squirrels and coyotes. That was, that was the extent of my hunting pretty much growing up. Um, I guess you could call what you call a late onset, uh, onset hunter. I didn't start really hunting till I was 27 years old. And do the math, I'm almost 57 now. So 30 um, years. <laughs> yeah. That was easy so, math for me there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about what, 27 years old is about when I got my first bird dog. Um, but moving forward a little bit. So me and my brother-in-law, um, we'd heard about this, this uh, uh, pheasant preserve that uh, was opening up out here in Arizona. And we thought, well, this would be fun. Let's go give it a try. And we didn't have a clue what we were doing, didn't know nothing about it. We sh so we show up to this place, no dog. We didn't, neither one of us had a dog at this point. Um, so we show up to this place and they're like, hey, we want to, we want to, you know, hunt some pheasants and chucker. And they're like, okay, well, you got a dog. No, we don't have a dog. He says, okay, well, I got dogs. 
And, you know, as naive and stupid as we were, we were like, well, we were just going to kind of go out there by ourselves and, you know, try to hunt them up and, and flush them <laughs> up and shoot them ourselves. And he's like, okay, well, have fun with that. I'll be up here, you know, I'll be up here at the house if you decide, you know, you need me. We're like, all right. And man, we, we went up and down these corn rows and alfalfa rows for probably 45 minutes and we weren't finding nothing. We were just like, okay, I saw like, I guess we're going to have to go get this dot guy and bring a dog in. So he comes down there and, um, he has two, uh, he has an, he has two English pointers. I didn't know what they were. They were just dogs to me. I was like, and, and you know, he told us, he, he, we sat there and talked for him and he's like, okay, these are my English pointers or pointing dogs. This is what's going to happen. This is what they're going to do. Make sure you have a, you know, safe, clear shot on the bird. And we're like, oh, let's go. And so we get out there and we, I start watching these dogs work and immediately I'm just memorized and like, this is cool. You know, and a couple minutes later into it, the first dog goes on point and just, you know, slams on a, on a point and just still, just as, you know, still as a statue and tail straight up in the air. And this big old pheasant goes flushing up in the air and the guy yells, take it. So I shoot this big old beautiful pheasant comes dropping down, the pointer goes over there, retrieves it to the handler's hand. And I was just like, this is it. <laughs> it's this sold. is this. I'm sold. It's like, I am getting one of these. <laughs> and so, yeah, we did that and shot our pheasants and our chuckers. And I came home and I was like, told my wife all about it. I'm like, I, I found my calling. This, <laughs> this is what, this is what I want. This is like, I don't care about anything else. I don't, I'm like, just the feeling I had and the amazing experience it was and to watch that dog, I just couldn't get over it. Couldn't get it out of my mind. It was like, this is it. And so I think I had a, and of course, you know, watching that English pointer, I had to go get an English pointer. Yeah. So, um, I probably had one about with, within a year of that, I had my first English pointer. That's really interesting because a lot of people, you know, I have the pleasure of, of interviewing and talking to quite a lot of people, but more specifically these profile episodes that I do when I'm talking to people, what got them into the bird dog world. It's amazing how many people decide on their breed because that's the first dog or the first example that they saw out in the field, you know, however long ago, however many years ago. It's kind of like whatever dog breed is out in the field, when they actually have that moment, when they see a dog do what a dog does, it's kind of like that's what they picture from there on out of mm -hmm. of when you bring up a dog, a hunting dog or a dog in the field, that's what they're picturing, be it a Brittany, a Pointer, a, a short hair whatever fill in the blank and it's not until they kind of get into the world that they even realize oh there's a lot of breeds out there for me and uh <laughs> and so did you when you decided to go on the pointer route did you go with a puppy or did you get started dog kind of walk me through the process of somebody 27 years old kind of piecing this together so yeah my first my first one was a puppy and uh and of course I'm that kind of person that's like, I don't, 
I know I need help. I don't know, have a clue what I'm doing, but I want to do this on my own. Um, now, mind you, you got to go back 30 years ago. We're not, we don't have internet. Your, your choice was you, you watch a VH, a VH8 uh, tape of someone training their dog or you uh, get a book, you know, and where do you find that information from? Well, you scroll through the back of a gun dog magazine yep. <laughs> and you find the ad and you find the ads. And so I'm finding ads in the back of these gun dog magazines and I'm getting, I'm ordering books, mail uh, in through the mail, ordering books and, you know, VHS tapes to watch how to train a dog. Yeah. Cause I'm bound to determine, I, I didn't know anybody that trained dogs, but, but at the same point, I wanted to do it myself and I wanted to train it myself. Um, and so, you know, first puppy, a lot of trial and error, a lot of just, and, and honestly speaking, a lot of the time I relied, I relied on the dog's instincts. You know, I did my best to be able to have some obedience with the dog, how I want him to be out in the field. But ultimately, you know, Hey, this dog is going to go out and find me birds. He's going to point. You know, and I figured out how to teach him how to retrieve. And, and I mean, we did it all right. We got by and we got him birds and, and I, I was on cloud nine. I was perfectly happy and I didn't have any scholar dog. I, it wasn't the best dog out there. He wasn't real well, well trained. And I didn't care. I was out there and I was having a blast. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. You know, you didn't come into this into this side or decided to get a bird dog to, you know, be the best hunter out there or be the best field trialer or, or whatever. You something stuck with you from that preserve experience and you're you're wanting to chase the good times. You're wanting to have fun. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you kind of came at it from that element. But I want to stick here for a minute because I think especially I'd say the vast majority of people listening to this can't even relate. To, to rewinding the clock 30 years ago to where there is not only internet, but, you know, by extension, there is no Facebook. There's no Instagram. There, there's, nope. there's no standing stone on YouTube. There's, there's none of these resources. Forget on how to train your dog, but to even, to your point, locate the dog. Figuring it out, looking at your papers, you know, it's like the people that really spent the time shopping around and finding the the correct bloodline for them it was mm -hmm. it was a a due diligent task you really had to focus in on it and spend some time so i, I want to dive deeper on that when you're when you're trying to chew chew this off and and train your dog yourself to your point you're ordering all these books but like were books really was that the main resource for you or did you have somebody did you find a mentor that could kind of help guide you at some point none none no i mean i i was completely 100% on my own by myself trying to figure this out um based on you know what the books were telling me and and going back just a little bit back in time back then i found my dog in the newspaper <laughs> so and how i found that was just by accident is my brother-in-law happened to tell me hey there's a guy out uh in north uh, northern arizona 
that listed some English pointer puppies for sale and like we you know and I didn't care anything about where they were from what the bloodlines were like or was like well, we're gonna go let's go get them <laughs> and he got one and I got one and but anyway so there's that but yeah I was um it was the books and and the problem with the books were the books were great to a point but even me not knowing a lot about it I found myself a lot of times trying to guess through things because it was like there was gaps in the training missing. It's like, here, do this and this and this. And then all the, you know, it was like, and then it would jump like 20 steps. (laughs) It would exactly, it would jump to 20. It's like they were trying to short form it, you know? And, And it's like, I was like, well, wait a minute. Well, what about if this, or what about, if I need to do that, it just, there wasn't great explanation. It just gave you a blueprint of this is how you do this. And you basically had to just figure it out from there. Right. And so for years, this is all, this is all I knew. And some trial and error is like, well, you know, I'm going to try this different or I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to work on this a little bit differently to see if I can get my dog to do this. Um, back then, try to figure out how, how do you keep your dog in close range back then? Um, cause back then there's no GPS. Right. And the stuff I'm hunting and you've been out here in Arizona, your dog gets out a hundred yards. Your dog can't even be seen in some places. And so I had a bell on my dog's neck to keep him located. And, but still to try to keep him you know, that's golden, you know, 40 to 75, 80 yards and trying to keep them there and still try to find birds was really difficult. That's really interesting because I think a lot of people, when they think desert, they think wide open. And, and as you alluded to, I, I went to Arizona this past January and the the landscape is a little different than what you kind of picture in your head when you hear desert, right? A lot of people yeah, just think yeah. wide, expansive, open space, which there is that. There's a lot of that. But I was surprised at how many ravines, how many, you know, cliffs were that out there, and then just the mountains, you know. It's just like no matter which way you look in Arizona, you're, you're facing down a mountain range. And so mm-hmm. to your point, like – you your dog stretches out you can lose sight of them which you know some people prioritize that more than others but i want to get your take on why do you feel like or why did you think that you needed that dog closer range besides just seeing them was it because you're primarily hunting quail which if anybody's kind of known anything or heard anything or watched anything on arizona quail gambles specifically they're they're on rollerblades. They're they're not even running. They're skating away. So is that kind of why you're wanting that dog reined in a little bit? That that's exactly why it is. Is because that's what I was mainly hunting is quail, uh, mainly gambles quail. And uh, yeah, um, if you can't keep your dog in somewhat of some decent close range, um, you're not even a you're gonna have a hard time even uh harvesting anything um because they a lot of times they do run and they're gone or they'll or they will uh you know they'll flush you know 40 50 yards 
away from your dog and your dog isn't even in range yet. Right. And I, I had that experience. It, you know, it, it, when you hear it, people hear it all the time. And I think a lot of people that haven't been to Arizona or the desert yet, they might equate it to a running grouse or a running pheasant. You know, mm-hmm. those birds run. Don't, don't get me wrong. They run, they're challenging for a dog, but how fast, how much ground those gambles quail can cover in Arizona because the the cover isn't as thick as maybe the brome grass or the cattails that might slow some pheasants down because they it's essentially just rock <laughs> out there. They can mm-hmm. haul butt to so to your point, it, it in a blink of an eye, you can see the quail running in front of you 20, 30 yards, and then in a blink of an eye, they're a hundred plus yards out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is, too, is going back to those days, you have to realize, too, you really had to pay attention and really listen. You had to put a lot of focus, like, you know, like nowadays, we're relying on a lot of the time, we're relying on GPS. So you can be walking along and you can be visiting and talking to your hunting partner or, or your mind kind of wanders off about something while you're out there hunting me personally i couldn't do that i had to have such concentration on listening for my dog watching where my dog was listening for the quail um where the quail are where they're gone where they're going um i had to all those things uh, back then you were so much more in touch with the environment you were in so, um, you know, it's kind of interesting going from what I was doing then to what I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. I went out the other day and I, and my GPS, somehow I'd left my uh, GPS on and I got out into the field and it was completely dead. Hmm. And I was just going out to let my dog run. I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> and I was doing, and I kept whistling at my dog to keep him, you know, keep him into that. I went back to those days of you know, 50, 50, 60 yards, 50, 60 yards, and just nervous the whole time. I'm like, why am I so nervous? You used to do this without anything. (laughs) Yep. Well, and it's a very valid point and something that I've brought up a few times on here, but but I I speak on it a lot within my kind of training group, my, my friends group, is something that I like to do is I like to do fun runs I call it naked. I just do a naked run with the dogs where there is no collar. And to your point, what what I tell everybody is, well, why would you do that? I'm like, because it forces you. It requires you to pay attention to your dog. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, you can learn so much more about about your specific dog, how they work. It requires you to kind of stay in touch with them a little bit better. It kind of it, it kind of forms a, a stronger bond, in my opinion. And I don't do it this. It sure does. I don't do this all the time. I don't do this every day. No. But every few weeks, every three, four weeks, you know, it's just like, okay, and I'm only doing one at a time because, to your point, it can be scary. It's, you know, my dogs have a solid recall. They they hunt with me. Like, I'm not going out in a dangerous place where there's busy roads. I'm going to a very secluded place, and I'm going to do this fun run. 
And if that's something that, you know, if somebody's listening to this, that they're always worried about, well, what happens if the battery on the collar dies or maybe it stops communicating to the handheld, which happens if you don't update mm-hmm. your tracking collar all the time, you can lose connection with that handheld to the receiver. And so I tell everybody, I'm like, I, I personally think that it's something that everybody should implement in their own training program to some extent, but be smart about it. If your dog's been tethered to you with a collar its entire life, don't just go drop it in the middle of the woods surrounded by busy streets. Be smart about it as, as the dog owner, right? No, uh, and yeah, and I completely agree. Like you said, it really does. You take that little bit of opportunity. It really does put you in a different kind of mind frame in touch with your dog, watching his body language and, you know, what he might be trying to tell you to do. Um, one of the things I kind of learned from doing all that back then is I learned to, re- I'd had to learn by myself, you know, from the school of hard knocks to rely on my dog more because he was actually teaching me things from his from his bloodlines and his instincts and his, you know, it's like he was able to go out there and start learn. He learned from these quail and he was able to go out there and relocate these quail that were flushing and running, flushing and running. And he, he, he was able to learn how to figure out, figure them out, figure out their scent and pick back, pick them back up again. And I was like, oh, you know, holy cow. So, um, you know, that was one of the biggest things I, it was that I had to sit back and go, my dog is actually figuring this out on his own. And it's teaching me that I need to rely on my dog more, you know, instead of, well, this is the way I think it should be. And this is the way I think it should be going. This is the way I want it to be. Why? Because I was nervous. I was scared. I, it was the unknown. It was, I don't want to lose my dog, you know, and, or think about all these things that could possibly go wrong. And so I'm the one that was pulling back on the reins Mm. and my dog was the one going, Hey, let's go, you know, let's go. Let me do this. I'll show you. And, and how that all happened was just by pure mistake. Yeah. You know, it was one of those, it was one of those issues when your dog got out there and, you know, I can tell my dog is way out on the distance and he's, he's zigzagging like crazy and his nose is on the ground and he's going and I'm almost on a run trying to keep up. And, and, uh, you know, next thing I know, my dog is on this big, huge covey and I'm like, holy cow, he knew the whole time. He knew exactly what he was doing. And I was like, from then on, it completely changed my whole mindset on how I felt like things needed to be when we were out hunting. Mm-hmm. That, that is, there's a lot of interesting tidbits and all that, that to, to me, the worry or the constant, you know, you trying to control the hunt or steer the hunt and not letting the dog do its thing. I would say that in a lot of ways you fast forward to today in 2023, you have a much more common issue with people doing that, especially when they come into this, because this is something that I would argue, and you can tell me if you agree with it or not, back then you didn't have YouTube 
or social media to compare your dogs to or compare your hunt to. So many people go out and doing this, the dog training, the hunting and all that stuff, and they compare what they see on social media and YouTube. And we've all been guilty of this. I'm not sitting here pretending like I've never done that. I know you've done that. We've all done that. We're human. Mm -hmm. But I, I would think that because that didn't even exist in your world when you first got going, it forced you to learn this, like you said, the school of hard knocks, and you're probably better off for it in the long run by learning it that quickly or forced into learning it that quickly. Well, yeah, and there wasn't, I mean, the way I learned in the in the, in the the environment I was in, there wasn't any, like I said, looking at other people's videos or other Instagram pages or social media or whatever, there wasn't any comparison. So I was, the, I was, I was comparing myself to myself. That's all there was to compare to. So, um, like I said, now we look back and go, well, I want my dog to be able to do that, you know, or I want my dog to do this, or I, you know, I want to do this, try this to make my dog do that as well. And we've Sure, we've advanced in so many ways and so many things over the last 30 years. But also, I think we've we've lost touch with how we do things with our dogs, too. Yeah. I mean, 100%. I mean, there's a reason why when I have, not to call you an old-timer, but when I have, quote-unquote, old-timers on the show, those episodes do so well. And I get so much feedback and people messaging me saying they truly enjoyed the episode because I think the reason why, and and this isn't from listeners telling me this or whatever, but I'm just kind of inferring and kind of reading in between the lines. I think you go back 30, 40 plus years, the people that came up and they learned how to train their dogs and hunt their dogs, I think downstream of what we're talking about here, they were forced into being quote unquote dogmen or dog people more so than what we are today, where anytime that we have a, a side thought or an afterthought or worry or we're scared to do something, it's just a Google search or YouTube search away. There's just another mm-hmm. podcast to go try and find that, find the subject on there. And there's pros to that, obviously, but there's cons to that to where I think People such as yourself and others that I've had the privilege of interviewing, you guys learn by the school of hard knocks and trial and error. And I think that those lessons are further ingrained in you, you guys, than maybe us who just kind of learn at the superficial level and then go apply it into the field. Does that make any sense mm-hmm. at all? Perfectly. Yeah, it's, that's exactly, yeah, it's exactly how I feel about it. And, um, and I mean, and for me, I look back at it now. And yeah, I feel, I feel very privileged that I had that opportunity to go about it that way, um, to be able to learn that way and figure it out all on my own. Um, it's, you know, it's also a, it's a pride thing for me that, Hey, you know, I was able to start out from scratch with, you know, reading a book and just going off of my dog and reading my dog that's how I trained my dog. Yeah. And like I said, very simple, very basic. Um, nothing like what you see dogs do today. You know, <laughs> it's just very simple. I just want to get out and hunt with my dog and find birds. Yeah. And I don't care after that. I don't yeah. care how it happened. I just want to, you know, and that's all it was for me. It was, 
Very simple. So you're just going out, trial by error, learning learning things the hard way and piecing it together. You're not only learning the dog side of things, but you're learning the hunting as well. Was that mm-hmm. kind of the same process for you just by asking the questions every time a, a bird gets up? It's like, well, what's what's the commonality here? Why, was, why were the birds uh-huh. here? Or did you resort to books on that as well? Or did you finally find that hunting buddy to kind of help speed up that learning curve for you? Kind of walk me through how you're able to finally gain ground on the knowledge. It was, it was, again, like I said, um, you know, trial and error and observing something and just sitting there and sitting back and going, how can I make this go differently? Um, I didn't, everybody I hunted with back then, they didn't have a dog either. So, when you did go hunt and you didn't have a dog, it was, it was just go out there and listen for the sounds and find the quail and bump them and shoot them. Um, so I was really the only guy that, that I was the only guy that I knew that had a dog and that was into it as much as I wanted to be. And so I was that guy that was going out, you know, every weekend and, um, casting the dog out and going, okay, let's, let's watch and see what he can do. And, um, let's learn together. Let's figure this out together. Um, watching and observing my dog, the way he would go through and, uh, smell for quail and, you know, going in there and being able to figure out how to relocate him. So once again, you go back to that really getting in tune with the environment you're in and paying really close attention to everything that's going on around you. And you kind of take that, you kind of take that, that sense and you put it to work for your dog and for you. Um, you know, and the thing of it is too, is gambles quail are amazingly smart, thrifty little birds um you know you can sit there and watch them fly off and you think you know exactly where they are and you're going to go find them and they're nowhere to be found (laughs) right i mean they're just gone because after a while you know it took a while for me to learn learn them like my dog was learning them at the same time you know it took me a while like again i'm not reading books i'm not reading books about how quell behave um gambles quell behave I'm figuring this out on my own, you know, when I, you know, I, you know, when looking, looking for, uh, you know, their footprints and tracks in the, in the ground. And and I finally learned after a while, it's like, they're flying, hitting the ground and they're, and they're running another 200 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, and for the longest time I used to sit there and watch them flush up and leave. And I'm like, okay, I saw them land right over the other side over there on that hill. I know exactly where they are and you get there and they're nowhere to be found. And I'm like, you know, you, and so you start using those resources and you start, okay, well, let me see if I can find tracks. Um, and like I said, eventually my dog started teaching me, my dog wanted to get out there. My watching my dog get out there with his nose to the ground, just zigzagging, uh, in a forward direction. And, just getting out there, I'm like, okay, yeah, he he smells, he knows where they where they are or where they've been and where they're going. 
And after we got past that and learning that, my success rate was just getting better and better all the time at finding these birds and, and harvesting birds. I was starting to figure them out as my dog was figuring them out. Yeah. It's funny how it's funny how that works. You know, I have told the story on on the podcast when I first got for, when I first got Rachel, my short hair, and I was on the list to get a puppy. And he called and he says, hey, I got this, you know, almost one year old at the time. Uh, I think that she would teach you more than what you could teach a puppy at this point. And, you know, a lot of people might take that the wrong way. I didn't because I kind of knew how green I was and how I knew next to nothing about dogs and or hunting. And so I got the dog and he was right. I was able to learn by stepping up to the next level of dog that fast and just kind of letting her teach me. You can learn Mm -hmm. a lot by taking your hands off and not having to steer the whole time. But I think regardless whether you're getting a puppy or whether you're getting a started dog or finished dog, that's going to be true for everybody on their first dog is you're going to learn mm-hmm. more by watching and interacting with that dog more so than than you're going to teach that dog. Regardless of how many books you read, how many YouTube, YouTube videos you watch, how many podcasts you listen to, obviously you want to keep trying to grow and learn, but be willing to take the lessons from the dog when they offer it to you. Right. And one of the, one of the biggest things you run into that I watch people that I watch people when I'm out with people and I didn't really go through this because I did it completely different way than what you see people, Mm -hmm. dogs. Now a guy gets their dog, their puppy, and they want to go out and train it. And it's perfectly understandable you, you are so nervous that you're going to do something wrong that's going to mess that dog up. And that's a perfectly natural way to, uh, thing to feel. You know, I got this brand new dog. I wanted to be a really good dog. And I, I don't want to mess this dog up, you know. Whereas me, I, <laughs> I, I did everything on my own, so I couldn't get much worse, you know. <laughs> right. My dog, and here's the thing, my dogs forgave me. And another valuable lesson I learned is, again, going back to that, really relying on your dog's natural behaviors and their instincts. And a little bit later on in life, realizing that I needed to allow the birds to train my dog. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, a lot more hands off back then. And I still do that a little bit. But again, like when I'm with people, um, you know, you want, you see that insecurity, not sure, you know, I, maybe I, I you do it. I don't want to do it, you know? Right. Um, um, I don't want to mess my dog up. So I, I, I want to keep going down that path because, I mean, that's ultimately what we got on here to talk about today was paying it forward, kind of passing your lessons on that you've learned over 30 plus years now to the next generation and new people hunting. But before we kind of get into that, I have to ask, you know, you start talking to a lot of people that have been doing anything for 20, 30 years. They kind of have a way of projecting uh, their requirements or their their uh, checklist as far as their prerequisites, I guess, as to how you're going to teach somebody else. So, you know, it's like a lot of people, well, I learned this way, so that's how I'm going to teach the next person, Right. And you just mm-hmm. said that you didn't have the mentor. You didn't have the person to take you out and teach you and show you. You had to learn by yourself. 
by reading books, trial and error, school of hard knocks. So fast forward 30 years now where your main priority and passion is showing the next hunter how to do this and and helping Mm -hmm. them. I got to ask, is it just because you didn't have that, that you saw the value in it and that you really wish that you had it? Because a lot of, a lot of people, again, for better or worse, you can't say that they're right or wrong. They're going to say, well, I had to learn it on my own. You go learn it on your own. Mm -hmm. So I don't for one minute regret anything I did in the past on how I learned. I, I appreciate it. It's helped me in a learn a lot about dogs in a different way than most and a lot of people where helping me wanting to help other people come into play is um partly yes you know i really wish i had that person to show me i really wish i had that mentor to you know help me through things that i had no clue what i was doing and and get me through the help me through the process you know, you have, I've, I have people reach out to me and they're like, I see you train bird dogs. Will you train my bird dog? And I'm like, no, that's, you know, that's not it at all. <laughs> I'm, let me just publicly state out there, right? I am not a professional bird dog trainer. I don't even really consider myself a trainer. I, I feel like to me, my, I'm more of a handler and that's me, how I learned how to handle dogs. Um, it may, may not mean it's the right way. It may not mean it's the wrong way. Um, it's the way, it's the way I learned and the way that, um, I built up, um, a way of how I feel comfortable training a dog. So, um, so yeah, I mean, back to it. Yeah. In a way I've, I kind of want to be there and help people, you know, get them through training their first dog and kind of helping them through the process. Um, but with that being said, without going back in time and learning the way I learned it on top of a a few other steps, it kind of opens my eyes a lot more for a lot more possibilities and different ways to help people train their dogs. Like, like you've heard a thousand times, no dog is the same and you can't train that one dog the same a different dogs the same way you always got to go at them at a different angle because of one reason or another and i have taught myself from my experiences back in the back in the day that i always go back to the very basics i get more out of a dog this is even, you know, training my own bird dogs or helping somebody else train theirs. I get more and more results, like you said before, kind of a little bit more of a, a lot of times, again, depending on the dog, a little bit more hands-off, a little bit of uh, just very simple, basic steps that get them through. And I feel like when I'm helping people, if I keep it very simplified and very basic, they seem to grasp onto it much faster, much easier without that um, worry about, oh, what's going to happen if I do this and I screw it up? Right. You can listen to a lot of podcasts. You can listen to a lot of guys that you listen to the professional dog trainers that are out there. 
they can get into explaining something and they can get into a very deep depth about training a dog and you can get lost very easily. And for them explaining it, it's very simple because they're doing it every day. Right. And they're training several dogs all day, every day. That's their job. That's what they do. Well, we're getting involved with one-on-one with somebody and my, and, and my plan is I want to, I want to help you through the process of training your own dog. Um, I have to keep it and I want to keep it very simple and, but in a way straightforward to where they can be successful in this. Yeah. Keeping it simple. I mean, that that's the name of the game. I mean, even with people that can get into the weeds, if they're going to try and help people and pass it on, they have to find a way to make the subject or material uh, palatable or, or mm-hmm. relatable, uh, ultimately. And, and I would say, you know, to your point, the, the way that you help a lot of people now is by making it simple. You know, so many people, when they first start out into this, myself included, they go into it with all the gimmicks and all the crazy theories and, and all the different methods. And it's kind of like they're trying to trying to do 20 different things all at one time. And that's why it's so important that you hear from the, the trainers that really know what they're talking about. They tell everybody the most valuable thing in, in your tool chest is a roll of duct tape to put over your mouth. You know, shut up, mm-hmm. let the dog's genetics do it. There's a more natural way of doing it. And I'm not going to say that every dog has the genetics or ability to do that, but there is something to be said for just removing yourself from the equation, watching it unfold, and then you know where to go from there. Yeah. And even myself, I'm guilty of it, is I get wrapped up in trying to figure out things, and I'm I, I'm... I'm an overthinker. I'm one of those guys. If I'm, if I want to, if I think I'm going to go buy a new shotgun, it takes me six months to figure out which one I want. <laughs> right. And I'm researching, 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 researching. Same thing with anything I want to, I'm going to buy something. I start just overthinking. Well, what about this? Or what if this? Or what if that? And I am guilty of taking that and doing that with when I'm out whether it's out hunting or training a dog, I, I catch myself going, Oh, Doug, come on, stop it. You're, you're trying to overanalyze and overthink this whole thing. And yes, when I catch myself doing that, what usually catches myself doing myself doing that is someone what's going wrong here. You know, what is happening that all of a sudden I went from this point to this dog is not what he, you know, what I wanted, what he, what he was doing yesterday, what did I do different that he's doing today that's, you know, creating a problem? Mm-hmm. And usually it's me sitting there going, I'm overthinking the, I'm overthinking the situation. And as soon as I sit there and bring that back, and guess what? Here's another level. Your dogs can sense that. Your dog you know, our dogs have what is it? Was it thirty thousand more times of sense and smell than we do? Yeah, something um, something crazy like that. Something crazy like that. You, you know, your your body puts out different uh, aromas and scents based on how, 
on what you're doing and how you're feeling at the time. And if you're feeling a little nervous, stressed, your dog can sense that and he can carry that with him, you know, the entire day, out the hunt. Yeah. out in the field, out in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, get a, get an unwanted, get a, you know, you're out hunting and get an unwanted phone call that all of a sudden makes you stressed or worried or nervous. Your dog can and does sense that. Yeah. And your dog can carry that in. Your dog can carry that into the field. Um, so yeah. So given a day you ever sit there and wonder, well, my dog did amazing. Didn't miss a beat. was perfect yesterday in the field. Why is he like this today? Well, I'm going to tell you probably, probably 98% of the reason is because there's something, something you're doing that's different. Oh yeah. I say it all the time. When you point a finger out where you have three more fingers pointing right back at you start, start with Mm -hmm. you. I mean, I, I, I can relate to a lot of that. I'm an overthinker and overanalyzer. Now I'm not the guy that's going to sit there and research every single thing that I buy to to death. I I more or less, I'm like, you know what, just buy, get it out of the way. And then it's one less thing (laughs) on on my list, but I'm with you to where it it is a detriment sometimes if you kind of let your brain and mind spiral out of control and kind of make something bigger than what it really is. Because I tell everybody, I've had so many people come out here and we'll just run dogs and the dog will do you you hear it all the time my dog never does that right and uh i don't mm-hmm. i don't really fight him on that it's like really does he never do that but you can tell by their reaction if the dog really never does it or not because if they start overreacting or they really start hammering on it or or they just can't let it go it's like okay you know maybe that dog hasn't really ever done that but you have to remind them like if he's never done that then it's not an actual problem you're making it a problem right now mm-hmm. okay exactly if they do it mm-hmm. one time you don't have a problem you just have a bad rep you know let it go get you know if if it if there's a trend if there's a pattern and they start repeating it then yes there's a problem but that, i think that's that's kind of the finesse and dog handling as as you referred to it a, a minute ago is kind of knowing when to step in and when not to step in. You know, there's certain things of allowing something to become an issue, which we've all done and seen with these dogs. But there's also times to where we inject ourselves into the equation and we create issues and we create mountains out of molehills when it's not necessary. Exactly. Completely agree. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we started off 30 years ago with this pointer and how you got into it, and we had to hit fast forward. There's a, there's a lot of ground and stories and, and experiences that we didn't touch on in 30 years, but I want to I wanna stay on this track because we're, we're paying it forward. We're passing on the knowledge and the lessons to these new people. What have you noticed as somebody who prioritizes taking new people in the field as often as you do? What have you noticed from the next generation or next wave of upland hunters coming up that either troubles you or excites you? you know, it can be good or bad. Give me an example of something that you're just commonly seeing is a trend with new people coming in. I think the biggest thing is probably everything's moving at such a fast pace nowadays right now. We all want it right now. You know, we get these guys that, you know, let's say you get a dog and you, and these guys are like, I want my dog to do what your dog does 
come hunting season in, you know, four months, six <laughs> May, months. Meanwhile, your dog's seven years old and theirs is seven weeks old. <laughs> yeah. And regard, and, and, you know, and that's, that's part of the reason I'm there. That's part of the reason I'm like, okay, so let's go ahead and let's get to reality and let me tell you exactly how this really works. So yeah, there's the there's the impatience. I want it. I want it now. You know, I want to do this right now. Um, you know, how long is this going to take? Um, that's the biggest thing. Is but but here's the other thing: is a lot of people too. They they want to get into they want to get into the whole dog world and have a hunting dog and go hunt birds and but they also don't necessarily want to put in the work that's required of them and that's where i have to have that conversation look if this is the route you want to go then you want to take your dog to a full-time dog trainer where it's going to be working with your dog every day for four months Whereas what I'm doing is I'm going out there on a Saturday and I'm, and I'm showing a piece of work and it's like, this is what we're going to work on. And then I want you to go home and I want your homework is, is to work on this for 10 to 15 minutes a day, every day after work and work on these things. I want you to, you know, be consistent, repetitive. And then come Saturday, we're going to, we're going to see where your dog is at with this piece of training you know, and it might be simple, something as simple as starting out with a puppy and going, um, you know, uh, healing, uh, fetching a toy, retrieving, um, uh, you know, all those basic things you start on with a puppy is just, you know, do this. I show them, do it this way, do it like this. And then now I want you to go home and do this, you know every day after work and spend 15, 20 minutes with it. And we keep building and continue to build. But the problem is, is, you know, you make that phone call. Hey, how's this going? How's he doing? Well, I didn't do it yesterday. Like I should have, or, you know, and, you know, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, I have to, I have to step back because a, I'm a, I'm more into it than a lot of people are. And I have to realize sometimes that somebody may want a bird dog and they want that to be a house dog, a companion dog, and they may only go hunting with it two or three times out of the year. Right. You know, and they're just, they're just not that fully invested in it. Like I was. Yeah. So I have to figure out that common ground and say, okay, you know, what do you want out of this? What, you know, you know, where do we, where are we going with this and find out what they want? Because you do get those people that just, they don't want to put the time and work into it. They just, a lot of times you think, well, they just want the dog and, yeah, and uh, abracadabra, it's going to go do all these wonderful things without me having to put any work into it. Yeah. It's, it, it comes down to realistic goals and, and, and just being honest with yourself ultimately. Yeah. And, it, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen a lot doesn't happen a lot. Um, most of the people I have worked with, they do have a genuine desire. They, they really want to get out there and they want to put in the work and they, and they want to have that great dog. But I also think a lot of people don't realize how much work it requires to get to the good level. To, yeah. To get to that level of, 
you know, because I have people like, I watch your videos on, you know, I watched your videos on that you put out where you're training your dog, your dog out hunting. I want my dog to be able to do that. Well, this is what it's going to require. We've got to, you know, what you're seeing there is getting out, you know, every weekend. Yeah. What you're seeing is, what you're seeing is me getting out and hunting 20, 30, 50 days a year during hunting season. What you're seeing is a, a ton of bird exposure. Um, that's what you, that's the result. That's what you're getting when you see a dog do that. Anybody's dog do that kind of stuff is there's a lot of work involved. Yeah. So, you know, um, and yeah, it's getting him through, it's getting him through that process. So, and it, and it's hard. Anybody listening to this, that hasn't, they're maybe they're not to that level yet, or they haven't been at it long enough to help somebody get started or, or really long enough to kind of see the trends. It, it is hard. I can relate in a lot of ways because I, I, I deal with a lot of people reaching out, you know, saying they need help and you invest the time and you try and help them. And, and you, you, to your exam, uh, example, it happens quite a bit is, you know, maybe they didn't for better or worse, maybe they didn't really want it or, or maybe they didn't realize it was going to be as much work as, as what you come on here every week and say, and it's hard not to get preachy about it. It's hard not to get on mm -hmm. that soapbox, especially on my end every week. It's hard not to get on here and project the way I look at things and the, and the way I feel about things and how it should be and how people should prioritize things. It's hard not to get on that soapbox and preach to it, but you have to remind yourself to what you just said. We're a little bit more passionate about it in a lot of ways. Maybe we're a little mm -hmm. crazier, who knows, fill in the blank. But it's, it, it is a good thing to point out to everybody like, look, I know you, you're getting this hunting dog and you're, you're dreaming big. You're dreaming out on the desert, out on the prairie, out in the grouse woods, whatever, and you're picturing dog slamming point, bird gets up, you shoot it, dog gets it, brings it back. Well, I'll tell you what, those perfect sequences are few and far between. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of work to get to that even opportunity to make it happen, let alone actually following through and making it happen, right? It, it's they, they see the end results, and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier is the YouTube, the Facebook, the, the Instagram. Everybody sees that. What they don't see is all the time and headache and and sweat in the mud and sand and all that stuff that you have to put in to get to that point. Yeah, and, and or oh, that looks easy. Yeah, yeah. You and, know, I can. Yeah, I, that looks easy. I can. I can do this. Yeah. Um, and for some people, maybe they can. I, you know, maybe for some people, it's very easy for them to jump into that and dive into it and figure it out. And it like, might oh, be yeah, now. No I train my own dog. It might be easy for them yeah. now. It wasn't easy when they first started out. It's not easy for anybody first starting out. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, don't get me wrong. I wish I wish I could, you know, 30 years ago, click on Instagram and get on Standing, standing uh, Stones Kennels and look at their training program. Yeah. Because it's an amazing program, right. I think. Oh, I've yeah. actually had people, I've had people reach out to me that live in different states that say, I'm getting my own bird dog, or I just got my own bird dog. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to begin. And I can't, I can only help them to a point because I live in a different state than them. 
So I sit there and go, you need to, re- you need to reach out to your local, try to find your local, uh, bird dog, gun dog club, try to find NAVDA, try to find, um, I said, and I've told people, I go, if you want to try, uh, training your own, and I've had people say, I want to train my own dog and I want to get started and I don't even know how to get started. I've told them, I go, go to standing stone. They have an excellent training program. I really like their program program that they offer. Mm-hmm. Um, part of my training, like going back a little bit in time and how I learned things, I actually, so I actually ended up with a, a while back ago, I ended up with an English pointer that I didn't know at the time, but found out later was gun shy. And I had no clue what to do. So was this, was this a starting dog or puppy or what? This was a started dog that was meant to be for, uh, field trials. Okay. So washed out. Yeah. And this guy's like, I need to find a home from him. You know, he's just not going to make it as a, what I need out of a, uh, um, field trial dog. Now I actually went out with this guy and he showed me what this dog could do. I mean, we went out and shot pigeons over him. It was an excellent dog. And I'm like, perfect. And I don't know what happened. I took this dog and we went quail hunting and, and he went on point, slammed the point on quail. I shot that gun off and that got that dog curled up in a ball, got up and ran off and went and ran to the truck half mile away and wow. get under the truck. And I'm like, how did we go from, how did we go from me watching a dog that would shoot, could shoot a gun and shoot a pigeon over the, over this dog and acting like, I'm like, this is going to be a great quail dog to taking the dog quail hunting and going, what just happened? I was at a loss. This was all new ground for me. And, uh, so I was able to find this old guy. He says, tell you what, I go out training dogs every Saturday. Come out with me and let's check this dog out. Kind of make a long story shorter. Um, went out with him two or three times and he's like, you know what, Doug, I don't think we're going to get this dog back. I just don't think I, I'm just going to tell you right now. He goes, I, I'm, I think he's a, we're not going to make it just everything. We tried this dog just wasn't coming around. And, uh, so I'm like, all right. And the guy and the guy felt horrible for me. And, uh, I said, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to train dogs and I can't just keep going around getting these dogs and, you know, with difficult dogs and trying to figure out how to train them. And he said, I'll make you a deal. He says, I'm going to help you out here. He says, I'm out every weekend training dogs. It's mostly the time. It's just me. He says, I, I need help. Sometimes training these dogs requires two people. Mm-hmm. He says, you start coming out with me on the weekends. I'm going to teach you how to train bird dogs. I'm going to show you everything I know. My, you know, him too, the 35, 40 years of experience training bird dogs. Um, and he wasn't a professional either. He, he had a regular full-time job, but he boarded people's dogs at his house and kept them for two, three months and trained them. And would go out in the evenings and go out on weekends and train these dogs. So that's what I started doing. I started going out with this guy every Saturday, every Sunday, and 
training his dog, helping him train his dogs and him teaching me how, what he knew. And that went on for a while. And he, and he said, I want to do something for you. And I said, what's that? He says, I have a, he says, I have a bird. He says, I have a English pointer puppy waiting for me from a guy. It's going to be a really, really top of the line bloodline dog out of Texas. He goes, I have a deposit on it. And he goes, I want, he goes, it'll be a really good dog for you. And it's a puppy and we can start him from the beginning. I want you to have it. Take it. He says, give me the money for the deposit and the dog is yours. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? He goes, no. I, he goes, I feel bad for you and I want you to have a good experience. So let's do this. I had the dog flown to me from Texas got it here and so that's when the magic started happening for me back then that's when i got this dog take him out to him and immediately he started running me through the process and nick what a different experience it was to be able to sit there and go i got my bird dog my puppy and now i'm learning these processes He's helping me through the processes. We're going to do this. Let's do it like this. I want you to do this. And and then I want you to go home. And I want you to work on these things on the weekend. And when we come back next uh, Saturday, we're going to see where we are. And the process of going, learning, and, and I want to call it, say, more of a proper way to train a bird dog versus the you know teaching myself how to train a dog and how the only way I knew how to do it. And then going from that to learning somebody else's way of doing it gave me much more confidence, but also the feeling of I'm learning this with my dog. We're both learning this together. We're both growing together. And um, it was an amazing experience to be able to sit there and do this with my puppy. And I'm growing and learning and it's growing and learning and the, and then what came along with it too, is uh, the bond between me and my dog from going through this process. And that's what really turned on the magic for me and the gratification and why I wanted to say pay it forward and offer that gratification to someone else of being able to experience basically in a way training your own bird dog i'm just i'm coaching you i'm just helping you along the way i'm offering you the tools i'm giving you my advice but ultimately you are training your dog and you're going through this you know you and your dog together and i can remember the first time i did it like it was yesterday it was an amazing feeling um like i said again the the uh um the bond i had with my dog it was greater than any of the dogs I've had. Mm. I had a greater bond with that dog going through that process um, than any other dog I've ever had. Yeah. And, I mean, to to circle back, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about how you had to learn yourself. And, you know, you're making it work, trial by error, not having the resources. And then eventually you do find that mentor, the person that says, hey, come help mm-hmm. me out. And... I think that's something that 
to fast forward in the timeline again and get back to these people that we're helping out to where maybe some people don't fully understand what they're getting themselves into is go find that mentor. And I'm not talking about, you know, listen to us, obviously, listen to GDIY every week, go watch Standing Stone's videos, sign up for their course. All that's great. There's resources and tools available to us that you should utilize. They're at your, your disposal. Use them. But also go find the person that you can go put dogs or put your hands on the actual dogs. Go help mm-hmm. a trainer. Even if it's not the way that you, quote unquote, want to train your dog, go learn why you don't want to train your dog mm-hmm. that way. You know, it's like go muck the kennels, go go walk dogs, go air them out, whatever, go work. And then you get the knowledge in, in return. And I, ultimately, that's kind of the the point that I was trying to drive at earlier is, you know, earn it. You know, you're not so many of us in today's day and age, we're so used to just being able to hit that Google search bar and that YouTube. There's a something completely different than downloading the information as opposed to actually going to put the information into use out in the field. And uh-huh. you, you can be the most prepared, knowledgeable person on the subject if you don't actually go do it and put your hands on the dogs, there's no substitute for that. You know, that that's why there's a lot, so many dog trainers out there that didn't have these resources that they just trained or learned by training dogs and they never mm-hmm. read a book, right? And, and so, right. you know, again, it's hard not to get on the soapbox and just kind of reiterating that, but there is value to that to where go find the mentor. You were doing it on your own. You were learning, and it wasn't until you had somebody extend that offer to you and you took it and you followed up on it that it all of a sudden started clicking and the magic started happening for you. Right. Yep. No, it's a... Uh, um you know, I, I look back at it now and I think to myself, man, what, what, a, what a really cool path I've taken. Um, and like I said earlier before, I feel really privileged that I learned the way I learned and I've taken the path I took and did things the way I did. And I got to do it without today's technology, you know, and kind of old school, like I say, kind of the old school way. Um, yeah. See, we called this pay it forward. We could have called it like back in my day or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still that makes me feel old. <laughs> yep. Well, it, so as we kind of wrap this up and close this out, give me some of your main talking points that, you know, when somebody calls up Doug and says, hey, I want to do this. How do I go about doing this? What's your top three suggestions? What's your recommendations to everybody that you're not going to find just by listening to a podcast or reading a book? Um, my biggest, my biggest one is, uh, like I said, it depends if they reach out to me and they're in a, and they're in a, a different state. I try to, I try to help them obtain, like, I'll go so much, like I do this all on my own, my own time. I don't charge people anything. I, that's how much I invest. I'm invested in it and love to doing it. People will call me up and go, Hey, I live here and I got a bird dog. I don't know even where to begin to start. And I've told people I will get on and I will do my own research and I'll, and I will find, uh, 
a bird dog club, a uh, field trial club. I'll find NAVDA. I will give them the information, the name of the president, the person. I'm like, here, here you go. Here's where you need to start. Call this person. Tell them you just got a dog. You want to get out there and you want you want to train your dog. You you need help. And um, so that's kind of one of the biggest things I do to help people get started. I also am like, well, you know, hey, is this going to be a hunting dog? Is this going to be a field trial dog? You know, what do you want this dog to do? Um, that way I kind of know which direction to send them and, and um, kind of explain to them and put out their you know, what they're looking at, what they're looking forward to, what, what's it going to be like, you know, if you want a field trial dog, you know, this is kind of what you, you're, is going to be required of you. And this is what it's like. Um, or, Hey, I just want to take a hunting. Well, this is what, this is what it's going to be like to take to, for a hunting dog and kind of some of the basic requirements to get that dog there. And, you know, in a, in a little conversation. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it's, it's the very, it's the very beginning where you're just basically, you know, getting, taking the information they have to offer you and then, to, and then, you know, guiding them and telling them, okay, this is, this is what you have to look forward to. And this is what it's going to be like. Right. And a lot of them haven't even made a decision yet. I have, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what I want to do with this dog because I haven't done it yet. You know, I haven't done a field trial um, but I saw it on a video or I saw it on YouTube and I think this is what I want to do. Um, and, and to, to caveat off that, it is important for, especially if somebody's new listening to this, not to get discouraged because they, it's okay not to know that it, it's, it's okay. Right. Like, it, it's just like asking a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's okay to figure it out as you go on. But you, the, the main, the underlying point to all this is have a goal. You know, it can be an uh -huh. annual goal. It could be a seasonal goal, but have a goal. Don't just go out there and wing it. If you want to be a field trialer, then it's like, okay, well, let's uh, reverse engineer this. This is a field trial dog. This is a competitive field trial dog. Let's backtrack from there. Maybe you get into it. Maybe you don't care so much about field trials as much as you thought. and You'd rather do hunt tests, or maybe you'd rather just go hunt. It's okay to veer off that. But the main mm -hmm. thing that people need to start realizing is when when people say have a goal, that doesn't mean that you have to fully invest 12 years into that goal. It's right. just have a goal. You know, how, how many times have you had somebody come out and it's like, well, what are you working on today? I don't know. What do you think I should work on? It's right. not my dog. <laughs> you, you need to know that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, and I mean... I mean, for me, it's, I mean, I, sometimes I catch myself just almost getting just as excited as the person that's talking to me on the other end of, under, other end of the line going, I got this puppy and, you know, I, I want to take it hunting. And I'm like, you know, well, that's, this is really cool. I'm excited for you. This is going to be so fun. Um, you know, it's an adventure for sure. And, uh, but, you know, I get, I don't know. I get, I get nerdy about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't we are, man? I, I've been doing this for almost four years on the show right now, so I'm I'm with you. I can I can relate to uh, being a nerd and just wanting 
wanting to talk to people and having the knowledge. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's all I'm doing is talking to people and sharing the conversations. But I nerd out just like you do when I talk to everybody. I mean, it just there's there's nothing like the dogs in this field. I tell everybody that if you don't get it, we'll come out with me, see the dogs do their thing. And if you tell me that you don't have any interest or it's at least not a cool thing to observe, then, you know, there there's other people for you to go be friends with. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, too, I mean, you, you know, we put all this hard work into our dogs and you know, at the end of the day, as much work as we put into our dogs, we want to sit there and think that they're doing great and, you know, they're, and they're doing what you want them to do. And it's such a gratifying feeling. And when somebody says, dang, that is really cool. Right. Or, you know, that your dog is, your dog is so cool or that, that is so awesome. Um, it just kind of reaffirms that, man, you know, that, you know, all that work I put into it is showing, right. it is, you know, it, it is, um, it's like, I'll, I'll go down, I'll go down to a big park and like in the springtime right now, like, you know, there's, I don't have a lot to do anywhere except for, you know, take them down to the park and work on basic, basic commands and field work. And I'm working on, you know, anywhere from retrieving to recalling to healing. And I'm just, I'm going through the whole motions of all these different things. I'm kind of focused and just, you know, in my own little world. And all of a sudden you look and you look at like five or six people just standing there watching and pointing and going, and you know, and you get a lot of people that are respectful or like, you know, their kids are standing there and they want to come touch your dog. And so I get done and I, they're like, well, I'm sorry, we didn't want to disturb you while you were training your dog, but that is, that is so cool. How did you train your dog to do that? You know, they, they have a, even though they're not gun dog owners or anything, they're just, they are amazed at what this dog is doing because they've never seen anything like it before. Right. You know, and you'll take that dog up and let the kids pet your dog and they start asking questions. Well, how did you train your dog to do that? And I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of practice. It's a lot of, a lot of work to get your dog into this. And and to just listen, people have that interest and that curiosity of how, what it took to get there. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you have a minute to share your, share your experience and, and showing Kind of, I know in a way, I guess you're kind of showing your dog off yeah, right. to, to people to people that have no clue about, you know, the the bird dog, the gun dog world, yeah. and what we do. And, and so, that, that's just it. Is it's easy to lose sight because we live with them every day. We have such high standards and hopes and and goals for these dogs. It's hard to lose sight of just how amazing they are. And, you know, it's one of my favorite things as well as, you know, somebody comes over to the house or, or to your point, you're out in public and your dog just, you know, they're doing something. And what's amazing to me is how often I think that they're not performing well, that they're not mm-hmm. doing up to their standards, but they don't know that. We know that. The dogs know that. But the average person 
they've never seen a dog up to that caliber. And so it might be 50% uh-huh. of the working level that you know that dog's capable of, but to an outsider that's only had that, you know, crazy uh, non-hunting line bred lab that chews up their car, they don't know any better. And so they've only seen the dogs that tear up their houses and that, you know, they grew up with that was just a horrible house pet. And they, they, it's hard for them to walk away from seeing something like this. And, and that's ultimately as we, as we wrap this up is I I want people listening to this. Remember what, what got you into this. Remember the passion. Remember why these dogs appealed to you because we need a reminder of that from time to time, especially Mm -hmm. when you're into this world, as long as, you know, I'm going on it and you've been on it, you have to keep that fire. You have to keep that passion and wanting to do it. And so whether that's, continue on with your own personal goals and dogs or like you sure moving on to help the next person that's what it's about is passing on that that earned knowledge over the past 30 years sure and i just wanted to share too really quick for anybody that's been doing it for a little while or just getting started in it and you and you get out there don't apologize for your dog i i've hunted with people Hey, you know, this is only the second, third time my dog's been out and he doesn't really know, or, you know, he might bump birds or he might do this or he might do that. And don't apologize for that. Um, at least not when you're around me, because I've been there, my dogs have been there. And when your dog is out hunting, that is going to be probably the best experience and the best training your dog is going to get being out with other dogs hunting and getting that wild bird exposure and out there and doing that. That's when he's going to learn. Yeah. I have plenty of other days in the field to go out and hunt where you may not be with me and your dog's not going to bump my birds or do something. And, um, for that, I mean, yeah, don't apologize because you have a young dog and your dog may not perform like my dog that's five years old and and has learned how to behave and learned how to hunt you know so don't apologize go out there and have fun with your dog and let them learn yeah absolutely i i would mirror that i agree with that i say it all the time when i invite people down i was like well should i bring my dog I'm like yeah but they don't know anything well how do you expect them to learn if you just leave them at home bring them uh, Doug, we could, we could go on, on all day long with us being on our soapbox on this. Uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I really do. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. I'll have the links down in the show notes, of course, for your social media and stuff like that. I'm assuming that you've probably appeared on a, on a couple of Spencer's videos on YouTube on AZ Quill Adventures, or am I mistaken on that? I've been on a, I've been on a couple of them. Yes. And, um, you can find me on Instagram at pointers upland life. Um, yeah, if you have any questions, just want to talk bird dogs, talk shotguns, talk anything upland, more than happy to reach out to me and visit. Um, I always love talking, uh, to people. So if you have any questions about anything, we happy to answer in any way I can. And, um, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. Yeah. Too easy. I enjoyed it as well. Everybody listening to this, hold on for the outro while I'll get, get Doug off this and, uh, appreciate everybody listening.
All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Doug Davis. This episode was presented by Standing Stone Supply, DT Systems, Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, as well as Upland Gun Company. Uh, this was a little bit different style of an episode. Uh, obviously, not a bunch of how-to or, or any of that, but it was when Doug reached out to me. You know, we had a mutual friend in Spencer Danes of AZ Quail Adventures. Go check him out on YouTube. And while you're there, check us out on YouTube and, and hit subscribe or follow. And uh, we have some cool videos coming out with one particular right now. It should actually come out tonight or tomorrow morning if you're listening to this when the episode drops, uh, talking about prairie chickens and conservation and stuff like that. It's actually been available for our Patreon patrons for a little over a week now. We do early access for uh, people that sign up for Patreon. But anyway, not to get sidetracked, uh, when Doug reached out, you know, we were talking originally, we we're going to do a profile episode and, and just kind of introduce himself like we do a lot of other people. And then he started talking about how he, he really just enjoys taking new people out there and, and kind of influencing the next generation of hunters, so to speak. And you could hear the passion in his voice to where that, that meant more to him than just coming on and talking about, you know, what got him into the dog world, which, you know, he's been in long enough. It would have been a long profile episode anyway, but I thought it was a good topic or subject to touch upon. There's a lot of lessons and stuff to glean upon. Uh, you know, one thing that he said throughout the episode essentially can be summed up into, you know, how can we complain about the type of hunters coming in if we quote unquote grew them? Like if we introduce the hunters into the world uh, through whatever organization, type of event, you know, you just kind of bring a buddy into it, whatever. We can't complain about the the quote unquote type or how they act within the industry because we're the ones that taught them. So there's there's a little bit of ownership that us as a hunting community need to take when people complain about the you hear especially on social media not to you know bring that up but social media is really bad about this complaining about the new people getting in and how they act and stuff like that. Well, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, if they're learning that way, then people are teaching them the wrong way. That's at least how I look at it. Uh, there's a lot of new challenges as a new dog owner, as well as a new hunter. And that I think that's something in the dog community people don't often remember, or at least it's not at the forefront of their thought that when the people get their first dogs, new dog owners, should equal new hunters. You know, they should get hunting dogs to go hunt. Therefore, there's stuff that we should be advising them or showing them or, you know, just just trying to be the best quote-unquote influence that we can to them. But as, as we talked about in a few different ways throughout this episode, in 2023, the new hunter has access to certain information, uh, certain tools at their disposal that a lot of people at Doug's age did not have. And, and so it offers new hunters and, and uh, new dog owners an opportunity to not only learn faster and more efficiently, but also uh, skip a bunch of steps. Uh, you know, hot spotting, I think, and, and the way that people act with maps and trying to figure out where to go hunt is a perfect example of this. It all comes from a good place. Everybody wants to go hunt. They want success for them and their dogs. They just don't know how, uh, how to go about finding it, figuring it out. How do they look at a map? How how do they find their spots? And then, you know, even on a lesser degree, how do they even ask for help on that stuff? So it's just, you know, I know it's frustrating. Trust me, guys. 
I get it all the time. If I do an episode and I mention I went to Montana to hunt, I guarantee you within the next week I'm getting messages from, you know, a handful of listeners reaching out and asking exactly where I went. So trust me, I I get it all the time and I don't get mad at them, but I just, you know, I just say like, look, it's in Montana. This is what I look for. Go do your homework and I'll point them in the right direction, but I'm not just going to give them a pin on the map, so to speak. And then uh, another thing, another way we didn't, we didn't go into this too much in the episode, but the conservation stuff, you know, there's truth in the saying that hunters are conservationists. I, I understand what they what that means. I think that there it's important to advocate and highlight that fact for people outside the hunting industry to recognize that the hunters bring in conservation dollars. But I personally, and this is just me and not, not to get on my soapbox, I don't want anybody to get too upset about this, but me personally, I, I don't like touting to everybody about Hunters are conservationists in the sense that them buying a hunting license is conservation because, in my opinion, what that does is that that kind of tells people that they're already doing the conservation and they don't need to do any more. It's like if you're just telling somebody like, oh, yeah, you're a conservationist because you bought a hunting license then maybe they're not motivated to even go sign up for one of the organizations or to go show up in person or to fight for this or to write their congressman. It's just like mentally they've already checked out to where I already did my part. I already bought a hunting license. And I don't I don't personally call that conservation because you're legally required to buy a hunting license to go hunting. So to me, it's the extra stuff on top of the hunting license that makes you a conservationist. And so that's just my take when when people go out and, and just say, you buy a hunting license, you're a conservationist. I, I understand what they're trying to say, but I think a lot of people lean on that way too heavy, uh, at least in my personal view. Again, this is just my personal thought, but uh, that I've tried to steer away from saying that all the time, at least in the sense of hunting licenses. But speaking of conservation, as I talked about at the start of all this, uh, you can go to our YouTube. We, we will have a video. It's, it's a long video. It's kind of a, an interview documentary style kind of thing that I put together on prairie chickens within Illinois. Uh, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from the people that have seen it on Patreon so far. Uh, if this interests you, if you really want to hear about, you know, one of the America's original game birds and, and the influences on what's brought it down to the to the level that it's at, and as well as why Illinois is still calling itself the quote unquote prairie state, even though it's down below 2000 acres of prairie now, uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there to where, you know, again, we're bird hunters, but you got to have birds to be a bird hunter. So uh, all this conservation stuff, it's important to stay kind of plugged in. And, and this is something that really sparked my interest last fall when I learned that it was even there. So anyway, go check that out if you have any interest. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm not going to speak anymore. Again, I appreciate everybody for hitting download, hitting play, hit that subscribe button so you can check us out next week. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.
Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and again year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.